It seems every time Shamrock Rovers do something good in Europe this year, a small section of idiots try to take the gloss off it by simply being idiots. Wake up, lads. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the big kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Waterford fans get a bar but they're still not happy. Shamrock Rovers get a result in Europe in a fantastic atmosphere but there's always a dope or two who think they're funny and there's plenty to shout about when it comes to our international teams this week. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle as always and Nathan, Shamrock Rovers in Europe, the money is building and building and building. The boom is back, baby. Yeah, it's <laughs> Well, the boom is back up in Tallow. I don't know about the rest of the country. As you can see behind me, electricity looks like it's shot. So I'm, having, <laughs> I'm having my own little uh, self-imposed blackout here up in the, uh, in the attic like Harry Potter. Uh, but no, yeah, Shamrock Rover started off the Europa Conference League group stage uh, adventure with a, 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 a nil-all draw to Dunch Garden from Sweden and Tallow Stadium, Roy, as you mentioned in the, the lovely intro there. Atmosphere was first of all excellent atmosphere, wasn't it? Unbelievable part, atmosphere, yeah, it was great. great. And it really does sort of show that they made the right decision with going with Tallis Stadium over the Aviva Stadium for the, the closing atmosphere. It was brilliant. I suppose, well, a couple of days removed from the game, Roy, we probably won't go into the minute details of, of what happened over the 90 minutes itself. Uh, I suppose a quick little summary from, from my point of view was I thought Rovers were the better side over the 90 minutes. Really, probably could have went on and won the game. Looks like Aaron Green, Chris McCann, Robbie Gaffney was only in the pitch, had, had a big chance. Uh, Sean Cabin had another big chance late on. So I thought Rovers had the better chances over the 90 minutes. Uh, saying that, I thought he started and ended pretty bo- uh, poorly. I thought the first 10, 15 minutes, Dunge Garden looked excellent. Uh, Alan Manis to pull off a couple of string of good saves. And yeah. uh, same, same again in the last probably 10 minutes, he looked the most dangerous. But besides that, I thought they were excellent. Uh, I thought Chris McCann in the night was the real standout player for me in the middle of the park. I was baffled that he took him off uh, when he did, to be honest. I thought he was controlling the tempo, range of passing was brilliant, waking up to play very well. Himself and Lee Grace were the two standouts. And as well, like I mentioned, matches in the first 10 minutes, but over the 90, yeah, I, I, I thought them two really stood out for me. And uh, the, manager's going to, the manager's going to know what the players are like in training, what minutes they've had, you know, when he probably feels that he's got the best out of a player and when he might fade. So maybe he's taking Chris McCann off at a stage where he says, well, you know, I probably won't get much better out of him for the, for, for the rest of this game. I need to keep the energy high in, in, in this game. I don't want to have a 10-minute slump where I'm kind of going, well, is Chris McCann all right? Is he not all right? And that might just lead to uh, maybe a goal or an instant that uh, they didn't want to happen. So I, 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 can, I can forgive uh, the manager for that because there's a lot, as we said before, Nate, there's a lot of juggling around with the fixtures. Yeah, there is plenty, isn't there, Roy? And even Sean McRovers, he had a game against Finn Harps a couple of days, not, not too long after, cracking 5-1 win. So you could probably see that as well. I'm surprised Rory Gaffney didn't start. He went with uh, with Justin Fears Irish, the 17-year-old. Massive uh, statement to start him in the game, wasn't it? But mm. he's been doing brilliant over the past couple of weeks. So maybe, like I said, massive build-up and switch around the fixtures. Had one eye on that with the likes of Brendan McCann off. Even Jack Bourne last starting, I was a little bit surprised about. Uh, and same with Rory Gaffney not being in the starting eleven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's a good... It, listen, we said at start, Nathan, we thought that this team could get points, results out of this group. Nothing has changed our mind. I think it'll be a no. tougher game 
in the return leg I don't think it'll be I just think a home advantage uh, could, could make it more difficult for Shamrock Rovers they really yeah. are looking to get their results at home aren't they? Yeah I think they really are I, 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 guess, I think it could be one of these that was while the draw on paper is a good, a good, it is a good result hundreds, over 160,000 euro so there's a couple of reasons to be uh, to be glad of getting a draw you know nice money to, to get the draw in like I said money in the bank for them so but yeah, I, I thought playing aside that's the lowest ranked in the group at home, first of all, it would have been nice to get three points. Next, they're playing Ghent uh, away from home. I, I That's going to be a really difficult tie. I think Ghent are going to be the side yeah. that will top this group ultimately. Same again, you're looking at sort of like Molde away from home, it's going to be difficult. But I think with Molde coming to Tala Stadium, um, I, I think that's like the next home game in Tala Roy, is it? I yeah. think it is, yeah. So uh, that could be money we're looking at to pick up another point. Maybe three, but I think with Molde looking at getting a draw there, so it's it's not about like like we are saying coming in, the draw itself really could have been worse for them. They could have got a lot of more difficult teams, but it's it's a group that's full. You know, like the three sides that they got are really good teams, but there's opportunity to pick up points and opportunity to pick up money. And like we said, that hasn't changed our view with this game here. Even on the other side of things, Ghent and Molde drew nil all, so the group is still wide open. We're only one game down, so. Hopefully you can see Rovers pick up more points and, as we always keep saying here, improve the coefficient for the rest of the Irish sides and uh, get themselves a little bit of moolah in the meantime. Absolutely. And when you talk more about... moolah because I don't think <laughs> uh, too bad off at the moment. When you're talking about money, uh, the Business Post had an article talking about Shamrock Rovers who are back in the black with performances because of the European uh, success and ticket sales, which are flourishing at the moment. Yeah. At the end of November 30, 2021, Shamrock Rovers made after-tax profits of 409,753. And this is now where you're starting to see their model change now, where they weren't making money beforehand and like Dermot Desmond and all had to put money into it. Now they're starting to turn things around. And again, with the money that's going to come in this year, there's no doubt, obviously, they're going to be in the black again. So... Yeah. Things are starting to turn for Shamrock Rovers. Can they keep that and maintain that, I suppose, Nathan? That's the big question. It is the big one, isn't it? You know, And it's something that we've seen a lot of people all over the country. It's very easy to hate Shamrock Rovers, Roy, isn't it? I think they've had to, if you have to do a, an unofficial poll. I'm sure they come out at top as, as the least likable team in Ireland. But there is this, this story going around that, you know, they're buying success and they're buying their way into, you know, league titles and European uh group stage and things like that which I think is ridiculous as you said this has been a long build you look at Stephen Kenny even the backing that he's got they did a lot of fans wanted him out of job early on mm-hmm. his career they stuck by him the stuff that the money they put into it into Roadstone the training facility up there is probably one of the best in the country so it's um for a side that you know has been talked about you know buying players in they're starting to they're starting to see the fruits of the labour now aren't we a lot of the younger lads coming through like I said yeah. Justin got, got his start in such a big game um, and Mackie has been excellent any time I've seen him come on uh, this season so and a regular yeah, yeah and a regular he's yeah, got regular yeah, minutes yeah. throughout the league it's not yeah, just yeah, sort of no. yeah no, it hasn't been given to him just his last five minutes of a game he's coming on to try and make an impact yeah definitely so I'm starting to see the fruits of the labour there that, look you'd imagine that the two lads I just mentioned there won't be in it for the long haul they will get to move on but there you go again that's another financial stream that he could get with, with these uh Tanta lads popping up that they have to produce and they get good money for them, possibly put on a sell-on clause and the money will keep trickling through with these transfers and things like that. 
Yeah, and just to touch on it because I, ha- I have to mention it because they've already got fined once Shamrock Rovers because of uh, stupid uh, fans, if you want to call them. They're, these are not fans. They're idiots who are going to these games and, and, and thinking they're funny. Same thing happened again. Uh, stupid chance, n- nonsensical. It makes a, a, a mockery of, of, the, of the real fans that are there. <laughs> Shamrock Roberts did put a statement out saying, listen, anyone who's uh, any any bigotry, and we all talk, look at James McLean and, and all that happens over in England, and I suppose the, the kind of, the hatred that he receives, we don't need to be going down that route, Nathan, don't we not? The, the fans go and, just go and enjoy the game. Do you know what? I don't want to get into too much. Obviously, Roy, it's a football podcast and, you know, that's a rabbit hole. We get into this rabbit hole, I think we would get into it for a while. What I will say is this. It's coming out of the game, that was probably the most media coverage I've seen. It was over a couple of chants. Mm. It wasn't over the performance. It wasn't over the great result. It wasn't over the the packed out Tallah Stadium or the money at the end. It was the, the, the video. We, we know the chant we're talking about. The, that's the video that we've seen going around. That's the one that got the most articles. It's the one that got the most views. It's the one that got the most clicks. And coming out of a massive game like that, that shouldn't be the way. It should be going on. What's happened on the field rather than what happened off it. So that that's that's the biggest shame for me that that's coming out of it. Yeah, I just hope Shamrock Rovers back it up and and uh, make the atmosphere uh, fantastic as it was the other night all the time and make sure everyone can enjoy it. Uh, idiots out. Okay, well, we're not finished with Shamrock Rovers because the UEFA Youth League campaign is about to start. It is about to start. Yeah, don't worry, anybody else, we'll move on with Shamrock Rovers in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> who hates them, you've only got two more minutes. Bear with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you wave a youth league starting up, Roy. Uh, Shamrock Rovers obviously going into the championship path with the under 19s. Uh, they've been drawn against AZ, uh, AZ Alkmaar from Holland. Really, really difficult uh, toy. Them games will be played. Uh, the first toy will be away from home on Wednesday, the 14th of September. And then the home toy will be on Tuesday, the 4th of October in Tallah Stadium. So do keep an eye out on that uh, for tickets and information, things like that. Uh, if successful, they will either face the winner of, and I'm going to butcher this name, Roy. Uh, you're going to have to help, help me out here because this this Cypress side is in the Europa League group at Manchester United. So you might be Don't do it. Don't do it. it. Don't just call them a Cypress side. <laughs> no, I'll go with it. Um, Omania. Omania. I'm going to go with that. Omania. Okay. Uh, I, will, I did butcher that. I know I did, but we'll stick with that. And uh, Red Star Belgrade from Serbia. So they face the winner of, of either of them to if they're successful to get past uh, AZ Alkamar, which there is a really, really difficult toy in fairness. So yeah. you never, well, never know. Great never experience know. for, for the young lads, you know, getting through the championship path. And do you know what? I'm going to hold us here for one more minute, Roy, if you don't mind. Just before we came on, I seen this. I don't know if you've seen this, so it's a bit of a curveball. Uh, the Tallah Stadium name Tallah Stadium yes I did see this this? because I see in a fantastic article in the oh god he'll kill they'll kill me now Aaron Dunn who was Aaron with is he with the Echo or is he with Oh God, he'll you know he'll kill me now for saying. Why the do you look for that? I'll just I'll just throw a bit of info there. The, I seen this. I think it was on the Irish Times. Just just to quote them. This is the the, the ones I seen this from. Uh, that South Dublin County Council are seeking a commercial partner to take over the naming rights uh, of Tallis Stadium. This will be in a minimum six year deal and as part of a hundred and five million expansion and upgrade plan. Uh, that's in line for Tallis Stadium. So the bit of nuggets information that we do know, Roy, is that the word Tala is expected to remain in the venue name. So, you know, you've seen it with the Olympia in Dublin, it, that, that got taken over by, by Tree. So it's now the Tree Olympia Theatre. So yeah. Tree take over this, it'll be the Tree Tala Stadium. 
So Tala okay. is going to be in the words, uh, in, in, in the naming of the venue. So a couple of reasons why they're doing this now. It's a wider media exposure, as you said, with the, uh, the, the European games and things like that. The, the media exposure that, that club are getting at the stadium are getting is, is going to improve and improve. That obviously comes with a, a bumper attendance. You're looking as well, La Sound Dublin County Council want to turn Tala Stadium into a 20,000 capacity concert venue. Uh, coming out of the back end of 2023, uh, but late summer 2023. So, naming rights things like that will, will help um, help improve that, help you know become a, a revenue stream for them. So, expression of interest and in buying the name rights open today, actually, uh, Tuesday the 13th of September, the time we are recording, and will close on the 13th of October for anybody that, for whatever reason, might be listening in if you fancy a little. Uh, the big kickoff Tallah Stadium. If you want to get a little go for me, going that's or the Bohemians FC Tallah Stadium. The lads can put a few quid together and get the name and rights for it. The same Tolga Park. The Aaron Dunn. I knew he's from Dublin Gazette, and he had a fantastic headline, which was called "Had Tallah Stadium in the picture and watch him call it." as the headline. So I thought that was that was great. Um it's yeah, it's interesting to see uh what it actually will come true. You know, what can we see? Like I mean it's it would it be something like three? Would it be one of those big ones again? You know, it'll be interesting anyhow. <laughs> they I'm sure they don't really give a crap as long as they get the, the few quid in. Uh, okay. Uh, Waterford owner Andy Piley has confirmed and he has secured a fifty year lease for the use of the RSC. Now, that's not the most important thing, Nathan, because they got a bar. And the Waterford fans have been calling out for a bar, a gazebo they had out for the game uh, the other night. And they still weren't happy. They were giving out crap about it. Six euro for a pint. Absolutely <sighs> disgraceful. What's your thoughts on that? See, this is what bugs my head anyway. And we've seen it all the time during the summer, didn't we? Like, I was... One of, my, one of my mates went to the Liam Gallagher concert that was in Kamenham in Dublin. It was the last week of the week before that. And the same thing. Oh, Doyle, I went to the queue for the bar. And oh, man, you want to see a six-year-old off while I point a piss? Yeah, like that comes with the territory, doesn't it? <laughs> Going to this leading outdoor venues. Like, I'd, I'd more of a point. Do you know what? Does, does, I think if anyone deserves points, it's League of Ireland fans because some of the stuff that you had to sit through and watch and some of the facilities <laughs> you have to sit in and watch them in. Like I had more of a point in Richmond Park most of the Friday nights that I'm down there. So yeah, I, I do not get that. What, ki- what kind of prices are we talking about at any League of Ireland stadiums? What do you mean? Like, what, is what there any stadiums? Thinking? Yeah, what what do you think should be a, a price for any League of Ireland stadiums? Because Waterford obviously is not Dublin, so that's why they're probably kicking up a fuss there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, for me, like six euros, just yeah, you know, it's probably a bit yes. more for a point in, in Dublin. You know, like. Yeah, as far as it probably What's the point in Sligo? Do you know what? You'd 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 get a point for about four fifty in Sligo. You'd get a good goes. point for about four fifty in Sligo. I'll tell you a quick one actually, when first one the first time I moved down. Uh, I was actually going for Sligo Rovers game, so it does it's a bit of a League of Ireland story, but it isn't. Um, I was a bit early to the match and I was walking up to the pub right in the corner, call out Niels. Yeah. So I go in a bit early, going for the point. Went to your man, yeah, just just got the point off and handed him two fivers. Uh, looked at the five, has looked at me, and me, it just happened about two or three times. He goes, Did you say two points, mate? He goes, No, just, just the one if you don't mind. And he chew, literally chew a five back at me. You fucking, <laughs> you fucking Dublin seeing next Tuesday. And he just start laughing at me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the sort of, uh, that's the sort of, that, that'll be, if I'm looking for a price of point uh, in the showgrounds. 
that's what I'd be expecting. I'd be expecting to get it. If I gave the person behind the bar two fivers, I'd expect one back. Dubs out, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but it's not the only thing, Nathan, that's going on down there. Yeah, no, there seems to be a bit of positivity. I know we said this about Richard Forbes as well, didn't he? That he was yeah. saying the right things and doing the right things. But in fairness to Andy, you know, he's coming in, he, there's, there's talks from doing um, like this a virtual QA with the fans, which is brilliant, you know, was really getting into uh, into the pulse of what the fans are about and what they want to see from their club and their community. A lot of it is, you know, community based talks. It's going to get them relationships back within and make it a hub of, of Waterford City Centre because the catchment area he has there was absolutely excellent, isn't it? One, one of the bigger cities uh, in the country. So, yeah, definitely positive talks. Like we said, we said this before, but in honor of Waterford. So to see him put it in action would be would be the, the, the more of an improvement than hearing him talking about it. But going off his ch- track record with the likes of Fleetwood Town, Roy. Uh, he done similar things. He holds annual virtual Q and A's with just himself, with no major committee, just him. Feeling questions from fans, taking in criticism on board, getting feedback on board. So being uh, being transparent with his communications, which you know it's a lot to be said. We talked about the issues that Bray Wanderers fans are having with their club and their chairman. So to see the owner being being willing to and so open with the fans to start off, it's brilliant. So. Long may that continue, and long may the six-year-old points don't continue. I'd say that'd be the, the biggest agenda on that virtual Q&A, is get the points down, bleeding points down. Well, they said some of the other short-term targets were to have a DJ to improve match day experience for all the fans, uh, obviously to sell alcohol in the stadium, which has kicked off, and opening up a club shop in Waterford City Centre. So... He's trying to change things a, a little bit there. The only thing I would say, the 50-year lease... Yeah. Are you going to are you going to be able to build? You know, you're spending money. It's it's still not going to be yours at the end of the day. But maybe you're going to be confident about securing it in the in the in the future. So, um, I think it, it sounds like a fella that is going to go in and do things right. That's I just get that feeling from him. Yeah. I, I like with, with with Forrest and stuff like that. You kind of got you were hopeful, but there was more of, more of a feeling about him here. It seems to be more of a, a clued into the football fans and what they yeah. want I think the six euro point listen lads suck it up the six euro is going back it's going to go back into your club anyhow you know so you know pay, pay the money you're only going to have two or three drinks anyhow so what's the big deal you know if it's an extra three euro over your three points because you want a five or uh, point yeah get over it don't be, don't be worried too much about it yeah. so uh, yeah no interesting things happening there at Waterford and still Nathan we might as well run over it they still have a great opportunity of getting up they do, yeah, they're still in that. I, 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 Cork City, for me, they're one hand on the title now. So, for me, Waterford, Waterford are going to go up, they're going to do avoid the playoffs. And John Caulfield conceded it, it, uh, to Cork the other day as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, it's uh, that's why I do think that Cork, now getting that result of, of a Galway, are going to push themselves over the line. We're running our games in the fourth division. Um, it's finishing up quite soon. So, But, yeah, if you're looking at the playoffs, Roy, it's, for me, once once you avoid each other, it's going to be between Galway and Waterford. And there's no mm. reason why Waterford can't get through because there's some really, really talented players down there. For me, one in particular for me, Phoenix Patterson, he's the one that, Waterford even if somehow don't get into the Premier Division, he is going to make that move up. He's far too talented uh, to be down in the Fourth Division. But yeah, there's definitely still still a lot to play for for Waterford. So you never know that way they could be nice at that opening up a little uh, gazebo bar. So I'm all for them. I'm all for them. Back That's in, it. In the and you division. have and you'll have a couple of Southern teams, as in uh, yeah. Munster teams, back into the Premier Division, yeah. which would be great. Although. Yeah, which- 
uh, there's a few other teams who will have something to say about that um, Waterford won't uh, make it e- easy they will be pushed all the way from the likes of Galway and uh, whoever else decide to jump into those playoffs okay the FEI have made a couple of decisions on a couple of games Nathan do fill us in and and where do you write calls I wonder yeah, so these decisions were made by an independent disciplinary uh, committee. And so the two games are talking about, first of all, it's uh, Sligo Rovers versus Dundalk. This is coming off the bat of uh, Sligo Rovers 2-0 win over Dundalk on the 29th of August. Uh, however, they did feel an ineligible player, that player being Adam McDonald, who was out with suspension. So the committee has decided that the 2 0 victory will be taken off Sligo and Dundalk will be awarded a 3 0 walkover uh, victory. So, obviously, great three points for Dundalk coming into the tail end, tail end of the season as they're pushing for Europe. So, who's at fault for, for this one in particular, right? This is the, the one out of the two. We're going to talk about the next one now in a few minutes, but out of the two, then this is the one that's a bit more controversial because. Adam McDonald wasn't on the published FBI suspension list that has filled out publicly to the fans and everybody to can view it. Uh, obviously, I don't know if it was filled out to the clubs, but on the public one, Adam McDonald wasn't on that suspension list. So you could put it down to an admin error on the side of the FBI. However, this isn't the first admin mistake that Sligo Rovers had made this season. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that he signed uh, Fabrice Hartman on loan from RB Leipzig and Fabrice now is... Still in Sligo, still training, still getting paid, but he cannot play for Sligo Rovers this season as uh, the paperwork wasn't submitted on time. So really bad error on the side of Sligo Rovers. Um, I just think it makes... And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say, you know, Sligo's fault, it was FEI's fault, whose fault it particularly is. I just think overall it makes the league look really amateurish. I think it makes Sligo Rovers look really amateurish. Um, it does, but for me, Nathan, it just comes down to Sligo. You know the yeah. rules. You know, if 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 it's up or not, you you question it straight away. You go, well, he should be suspended. You don't just jump in and think you got away with one. This is not school where you 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 you, you skipped class and you got away. You think you got away with it. You know, yeah. you know the rules. You know it's going to come back and bite you in the arse. It's for me, it's Sligo all over. Yes, he wasn't up in the FAI list, but that's just a simple little mistake. The FAI yeah. can make that mistake. Sligo can't. Yeah, I've seen people putting down to, oh, well, Sligo don't have much, uh, they've only limited full-time, you know, empl- employees with the club, but it has to be down to somebody to remember which player was suspended, whether that be, whether that falls down to the coaches or the CEO. The manager the knows, the, the coach yeah. knows, the player knows, they all know. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's very, just, it's very amateur. It, yeah, it is. No, it's, very it's, it's, it, for me, it's Sligo all over. So Next. the second one, Roy, we're going <laughs> off uh, Shelbourne versus Pats. This game is due to be played on Sunday, the 7th of August. You might remember uh, St. Pats was stuck in Bulgaria following their big 1-0 victory over CSKA Sofia in the third qualification round of the Europa Conference League. This was a mess up with the charter flight. So Pats got a charter flight from Knock Airport. Uh, and then they were due to get a charter fly from Sofia back into Dublin instead of Knock because they were playing Shelbourne, I think it was two, day- two days after the mm-hmm. Sofia game, so they thought it'd be easier to uh, make their way back into Dublin, but the charter was cancelled, and St. Pat's were, were pretty much stranded over in Sofia, and because it was the third qualification round, it's in the rules that you have to get a charter fly, so they couldn't have just booked the last minute Ryanair fly, for example, from Sofia to Dublin, it had to be a charter, so that was the reason why St. Pat's were stuck uh, over in Sofia. Uh, it was decided by this, uh, this committee that the game will be played. It'll be played at a later date, which once we know, we'll uh, we'll, we'll let others know. 
So pretty much Shelbourne wanted the original. They were very upset the original game didn't go ahead. And there was talk of of Shelbourne getting a walkover uh, over St. Pat's, but that's not to be. Shelbourne will play St. Pat's in Tolka Park at a later date. So what do you make of that one, Roy? Um, simple for me. It, it, the game should be played. St. Pat's didn't leave themselves out there because they were out on holidays and they were all sunning yeah. themselves. Shells are looking for a handy three points. They can feel disappointed as much as they want. The game's going to be played. They're going to get fans into the stadium. They're just looking for a handy three points. Uh, fair is fair. You know, again, we should be helping our teams in Europe. So for me, again, no brainer. I think it's the right decision. Yeah, I talked a bit about it, Roy, when this actually originally happened. I remember we were talking about it briefly on the show. I do agree with you. I think it's... Um it's one that, that needs to be played. Do you want a question and all? Well, you know, back in through COVID, other clubs got stoned. You know, they had to feel a lot of the under 19s. A lot of the, lot of St. Pat's under 19s were in Sophia with them because a lot of them are playing in the, yeah. they're involved within the fourth team. So even for me, that that, that wasn't really enough. COVID just, was uh, completely different. Though, I know, mate. yeah. Was, you can't people were making yeah. up rules left, right, and centre. They didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And like I said, it wasn't it like that Pat said, I know Ben just came off lads, we just get a bit of sun here. Like the lad like the lads wasn't sitting out by the beach drinking bleeding mocktails or bleeding uh-huh. like that, you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it definitely was one. It wasn't a mistake on the close behalf. I had to down anyone that's been to the airport in the past six months knows it's an absolute shit show. Yeah. Knows that the, the aviation industry in Ireland is a mess at the moment. So the club can't be blamed for that. No, absolutely not. Okay, we'll leave that there. Uh, internationals we know who the women might play, but I'm just after finding out. I didn't really know what way this t- whole thing was structured, so do explain, Nathan. Well, either the way, but I'm going to try and explain. <laughs> well, if you don't know, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're in a bit of trouble. Like, first of all, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the stuff we do now, all right? Um, Ireland will face the winners of the game between Aust- uh, Aust- Australia. Australia. Good day, mate. <laughs> like the main Eurovision everyone just gets a goal don't we uh, in Austria and Scotland uh, to get themselves a place in the 2023 Women's World Cup in in Australia and that's yes. where I'm getting Australia that's where, oh Australia yeah that's where I get to Australia um, so that game so if the, the game between either Austria or Scotland will be a one-off straight knockout game it'll be played away from home on Tuesday the 12th of October like we said, that this is a, a playoff game for the Women's World Cup. But the Austria, Austria and Scotland game will be played on the 6th of October in uh, in Vienna. So a short turnaround for either Austria or Vienna, only four days uh, removed. Austria so or Scotland. Austria or Scotland. Come on, <laughs> over the place. With you. Australia is killing me here. Uh, so thankfully, I'm moving away from Australia. I'm moving away from, from Australia. God. So if it gets, uh, gets difficult, like as it wasn't difficult enough for me bleeding call in Australia, so if Ireland are successful, Jesus, having a nightmare here. If Go Ireland on. are successful and they beat uh, Austria or Scotland, one or two options can happen. So number one, two. So three teams will win the playoffs. Right. Two of them teams will auto- automatically go to the World Cup, and that's from the two highest ranking teams based off their qualification performance, based off the performances in the group stages, and based off the performances. In these playoffs, so three, so three teams. I know, Roy, you can see their face. Uh, three, three teams from UEFA. Two of them will go straight to the World Cup. So you're going to be left with one team, and that team. So that that team will be uh, the 
represent represent uh, representation from uh, UEFA. They represent UEFA in an inter uh, confederation playoff tournament, which we played in New Zealand. Uh, I think it's in February 2023. So they'll go into a tournament with 10 other teams from the different confederations around the world, and they'll have 10 teams vying for three places in the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. So if Ireland aren't one of those two teams that automatically wins the playoffs and goes through, they could play up to another four matches. Mother of Jesus. Of, I know. Ha, so... I thought you got to your playoff, you won, you're through. Yeah. So UEFA, being UEFA, decided, no, we won't make it that simple. We'll throw you into another group, which will, well, I suppose it must be FIFA, because, but they, 10 teams and three go through. Yeah, from the different confederations. But even, even, the, even the original playoffs were from UEFA. There's, there's nine teams now in this UEFA playoffs. And the fact that it's obviously Ireland's finished in the top three from them nine teams based off that group. So they're in the second round. Yeah. But even that's overly convoluted, isn't it? It should yeah. just be a straight, straight knockout, two-legged games. Winners all go through to um to the World Cup. But yeah, it, it's an absolute... So <laughs> does does the playoff games, and you probably haven't got the answer to this, but does the playoff game in the first round count? Do you know the first playoff round? Does that does that count, or is it just the final? Towards your, towards your performances, yeah. your performance ranking, yeah, yeah. But so if you're not already, playing in it, how can you get any? <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. It's so already that. So the three teams that are that got a boy to the second to the second round are Ireland, Switzerland, and Iceland. Right. So it's great that they got a boy to the second round, but they're yeah. at a disadvantage because they're not playing in the first round. So they can't, oh can't improve that right. Oh, it's, a, it's a mess. Okay, you know so you, we, if, we, we, if they need to win with... and they need to win good. Uh, now, the yeah. thing is, is they're playing Austria or Scotland. All these three teams are in the top 20 of the world rankings. Yeah. Um, Ireland, I think, is 29. I think it's Scotland 26. 26th and then 20th or something like that, uh, is it? Austria are 20. Uh, yeah, Scotland at the 24 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ireland at 26 so yeah so I think if I'm looking at what I've seen of, of, of these international teams we kind of want Scotland to sneak through uh, because Austria are on the up their performances uh, have they've they were in the last Euros as well I, I think so yeah. they've got uh, they're sort of established there in a major tournament looking at their points over the last while they've had I think various decent results uh, I think I think we could, you know, hold out for Scotland getting a, a true on penalties there, and maybe Ireland having a, a ding dong battle then because I think it'd be even enough. I think I'd rather Scotland than Austria. I think was what I'm saying. Yeah, I I think I do agree with you. Um, yeah, it's it's so convoluted, man, isn't it? And I'm not even going to get into it, but apparently the player process for the next European Championships is even worse. So I don't, well, let's not talk wait, about it. Let's not talk about it. We're losing. Me way, I'm stumbling my way over that one. I can't yeah, no, we're, we're, way over, over the other one. We're losing listeners every uh, every second we talk any further about this. So, yeah. I know I, I <laughs> fell my way over that one. Not, I, I'm not one for, well, not one for plugging things, but I will say extra time that I have a brilliant uh, article out that really goes into depth of the format of the playoffs if you're into that sort of thing and go go and search after, that one yeah, out so because they, they could do better justice than what I just did uh, no they're not the only Australia international team that have a bit of success under their belt Nathan do tell us yeah, yeah so the eight uh, eight nations street soccer tournament took place uh, over the past weekend Roy took place in Dundee in Scotland so 
for people that don't know what the eight eight nations street uh, soccer tournament is, it's a small sort of tournament for players to represent their countries who are suffering from some social issues. So the teams are made up, you know, could be people uh, suffering from homelessness, addiction problems, ex-convicts, refugees, things like that. Uh, so the sides that were involved, obviously eight nations, eight teams, were involved were Ireland, Afghanistan, uh, England, Sweden, Wales, Holland, Northern Ireland, and the Ukraine. Uh, overall, we had 16 tournaments, teams in the tournaments, eight men and eight women. And wouldn't you know, Roy, Ireland went and won the men's and the women's brackets. So Ireland, the Ireland male and female teams have won the eight nations street soccer uh, league tournament, both of them beating Northern Ireland uh, in the final. So absolutely brilliant stuff by all involved. Just to, to, so to see. Ireland beats Northern Ireland in both yeah. competitions. Both finals. What does that say? Uh, does, there something, does that say something? I'm not sure what that says. Who else was in it? Like I said, uh, Ireland, Afghanistan, England, Sweden, Wales, Holland, Northern Ireland and Ukraine. Oh, that's okay. Great stuff. It's, it, that's, brilliant. it's brilliant. Absolutely I know it is. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like, and yeah. it kind of gives me flashbacks of when Brian Kerr went and won with the, the under 16s and then went on and won. The, the, our, we won the next one. What was it? The under 20s, was it? Under 19s, yeah. under 20s? 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, but, uh, brilliant. Brilliant. That's, that is. that's it, fantastic. It, 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 it's excellent. It shows the positive effect that football can have on people. You know, it doesn't matter what. What's going on, Lloyd? Just what they've done and went and achieved that. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, anybody Any interested in finding out more, uh, search out the Irish Homeless Street Leagues. They've been doing brilliant work here in this country. There's also, I was watching during uh, on the RT players, an excellent documentary that show a bit more about the teams, about the coaches. It's called uh, Street Leagues. It's up on the RT players. So, yeah, check out that if you want to find out more about uh, what, what, what this, uh, the Eight Nations Street League or the Street Leagues themselves involved because the work that goes into it, Roy, it's absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, what an achievement by yeah, both teams. Unbelievable. Yeah, congratulations to everyone involved. Um players, managers and, and and people who have set up these, these tournaments uh, essential, everyone needs a hobby, everyone needs a distraction so absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Okay Nathan, go with your fan question this week We do indeed Roy, we got it in on the Our Faithful page, uh, shout out to our man Alan Toig, really appreciate it Alan, absolute gentleman, keep them coming anybody wants to get the questions out, get them into us at the big kickoff on social media, find Roy Shanahan, Nathan Doyle, a personal social media pages don't be afraid we won't bite we like the interaction so keep them coming lads so alan's question roy i feel a bit left out it's think this is this you're the man to feel this one roy i think what i'm gonna say um so alan says what are the pros and cons of having a manager or a coach stick with an underage team throughout all the age groups Ooh, the pros and the cons well and while uh... you mull that one over he has a little bonus question just for you right Okay. Uh, he said, "What way did he do it in Luke and United, and what do you what do you feel works best at Luke and United?" So, he, what he means is, would you rather have a coach stick with a team through all the age groups, or would you have you know have a coach dedicated to the under tens and have a coach dedicated to the under twelves and have a teams passing through? Yeah. So, listen, the, the, there's only one way for me, and uh, this is what I firmly believe. I firmly believe in consistency. So do I think that a team should have a manager that sticks with them all the way through from under eights up to under 18s? I have no problems with a manager going through under eights to under 18s. No problem at all whatsoever. Um, 
it's a little bit different, managers and coaches. Yeah. So if you have a manager, great, he keeps that consistency, he keeps that kind of a family feel you know everyone's kind of as long as everyone's getting on I suppose that's that's great but coaching is a little bit different so if you have a manager and then you have coach change coaches constantly change coaches give other give other voices a, a chance because if it's the same voice over and over again kids tend to start zoning out they're not listening all the time um, but if you get other people so the way we've we work it with say we have an under 15 team that we've brought from under 8s is that we will we have two of us who are there but and we will do coaching and we'll have you know different interactions with the kids and you know whatever but we will always bring in uh, coaches to do different sessions at different times during the year so we will bring in like during pre-season we'll bring in cover coaching and we'll do a, a course with them for a year with cover coaching we step away we let cover coaching do the the coaching any coaching it's, they do all sort of ball skills and you know little scenarios 2v1s 3v2s and stuff like that so it's all about quickness of play and stuff like that so we'll introduce that we'll let them do their stuff we'll bring in like we had Stephen Rice in with our team and we, we got him to do a session on tempo in the game, you know, build up the tempo, put real pressure on teams. Don't let them have time. Don't let them get their head up. Uh, we just asked Stephen. We gave him the topic. He went in. He coached for us. We stood back. And that just keeps things fresh. We're still there. So it gives that kind of solid feel around the team. It's not wishy-washy where, you know, we don't know who's going to be here next week. You know, they can feel comfortable with us because they know what we want from them they know uh, that if, if they're in the squad that we like them as a player so they can they can feel that kind of vibe where you know they feel wanted and all if you're chopping and changing the manager all the time you're unsure so you don't know you know maybe you won't get on with the next manager or you know so the the, the squad forms itself after a while but it's the coaching that's really important if you can if you can get a team and bring in, you know, guests, I suppose, guest coaches here, guest coaches there throughout the season, you know, just a sprinkle of different types of coaches with with different sort of philosophies at times because they will give the player something different to think about and how can they use what they're asking maybe into their game. While there be an overall team plan, they might give them something that they might be able to use individually and on a pitch and the player probably will benefit from it, you know. Uh, also, if you're a manager and you're trying to reinforce your point, you're putting points across and, you know, when they get to teenage and all, they kind of look at you a little bit like to say, what do you know? You know, they start, you know, they're teenagers. Teenagers know everything. Adults know nothing. So when someone else comes in and reaffirms what you're saying in a coaching session, all of a sudden they go, oh, okay, all right. They might take that on from someone else where they mightn't take it on from you. So I guess my thing is, yes, I I, I like the fact that you would have a team and a manager, a core manager, maybe it may be one or maybe two that stay all the way through. You may change an assistant manager or whatever, or the assistant coach or whatever, but you'll always have a manager. But you'll make sure that you have a sprinkle of coaches all the way through a couple, two, three, four each year where you kind of bring in guests and um, it just makes it more entertaining for them as well. So, yeah, that would be my advice um, for anyone, I suppose, who's looking at underage thing. Don't, don't just, don't, don't, don't just be you or don't just be the two of you. It gets very boring and tedious and that's where you lose the interest. 
Very good. Now, hope to answer your question, Alan. Um, actually, this is a quick one. Any any cons to having? You know, we obviously you're very pro having a manager sticking throughout the whole age group. Is there anything? Well, I think the con sides of it. The con is if you don't, as I said there, the con is if you don't have, if you don't bring in other people, other kind of people with different life philosophies or different coaching techniques, or you know it does get boring. So you do lose the interest and you will lose players because they just won't stay. They've heard your story over and over again. So it, it's different ways. I think if you look at Alex Ferguson, who did it, he changes coaches all the time, you know, refreshed it. He was always there, but the coaches were always changing because then it would just sort of freshen things up from a coaching perspective. So for me, yeah, make sure you do the coaches. The, the, the con is if you don't do that, you're going to lose players. Yeah, yeah. So st- things like stagnation can be a really that's exactly it. Yeah, be, that's yeah. exactly it. Uh, yeah, now I'm happy to let you stick with that one because I am severely underqualified to answer any sort of uh, coaching questions. I think the coaching experience lasted about a month. Then I realised not only do I hate kids, but I hate parents <laughs> probably even more. <laughs> uh, you can understand some of that at some of the time. <laughs> okay, kids, kids are we? Okay, we're going to leave it there. Listen, thanks very much for the question, Alan. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, You want to send in your question, don't be afraid to send it in via Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. Seek out myself or um, Nathan, and uh, we will certainly put that there. And listen, if you you, you want to throw a question in, audio or whatever it is, Uh, don't be afraid to pass it on okay thanks very much Nathan thanks for everyone who's listened and we'll talk to you next week